thirsty for the word. <clears throat> you ready? You really ready? Okay, well, you know, as I was studying in, uh, the other day, uh, I was reading about you in the Bible. And the way you were worshiping was incredible. You were singing, you were shouting, you were radically worshiping God in a huge, massive group. And you were not ashamed. And you were holding nothing back. You were praising God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yes, that's right, you are in the Bible. In the book of Revelation. I'm not talking about the beast or the Antichrist at this point. In the book of Revelation. John describes a future time when the church has been taken out of the earth. And there's a time around the throne of God where millions of angels and believers are gathered for worship. And if you're a believer, you're included in this. And John said in Revelation 5.13, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and, and on the sea and all that is in them singing, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And then I read about you again in Revelation 7, 9 through 10 where it says, I, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. You're going to be there on this day if you're a believer in Jesus. You're going to see this with your very own eyes. John was talking prophetically here. And he saw every tribe, every nation, every tribe, every people, every language standing before the throne in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I want you to know I saw you in the Bible, in the book, and you were shouting and you were singing and you were worshiping God. Listen, everybody worships in heaven. Everybody sings in heaven. Everybody shouts in heaven. If you don't like continual, continual joyful, expressive, exuberant praise, you might be a little bit miserable in heaven, but there will be no misery. There will be no misery in heaven. So somehow, in a twinkling of an eye, some of, we're going to be changed, and we shall be like Him, and we're going to enter into His glory in an amazing way. That, that's why we gather every week as a church. We're practicing for that day, and not only that, we get to experience the presence and the power of the Lord today. Today, we experience it now. Now. Don't wait for heaven. <laughs> Don't wait for heaven to do this. Do it now. See, there's power in worship. And there's greater power in corporate worship. We're in this series called Forward in Faith, and we're talking about what it means to be a true disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, not just a believer but someone who actually follows him. And we've looked at, and we've been spending a lot of time, we're not hurrying through this series. I don't even know how many sermons it's going to be. I, I can't plan it out like some people do. And I'm going to, I mean, it, it's kind of, I'm a burden preacher. So whatever the burden of the Lord is on me, I've got to preach. And, and so some of these things we're talking about will be one week. Some, things are, some are multiple week, but we've been using this word forward uh, in our outline as the, as the way we move forward as a disciple. We, first of all, we've got to follow Christ. Not just believe in Christ, but follow Christ. 
And he said, if you follow me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will obey me. So we, we've talked about what it means to follow Christ as a disciple. We've talked about the, the blessing of obeying him. We, and we've, uh, we've talked about how to reach others for Christ. So how to follow Christ, how to, how to be blessed by obeying Christ, and how to reach others for Christ. And last week I began preaching on the W in forward worship, and we talked about discipleship becomes, begins with beholding. So to follow Christ means you, you, you need to have a revelation of who he is, and you must behold him, because that's what change, changes us as we see him. When you truly see him, you are changed. We saw that in the Amplified Version of 2 Corinthians 3.18, which says, all of us, all, all, all. With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transformed into his very own image from glory to glory in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another by the Spirit of the Lord. You become what you behold. So individually, personally, and then corporately, together in unity, we must behold the Lord and spend time in his presence. Spend time in his manifest presence. Listen, God is building. We talked about this last week. God is building us together as a habitation for his presence. And when we behold him together, we're transformed into his likeness together, and then we represent him to the world together. And so to do that, we've got to behold the, the Lord in the word, behold the Lord by the Holy Spirit, behold the Lord in prayer, behold the Lord in his people. Amen. Behold the Lord in our worship. So today I'm, I'm preaching on the purpose of praise and worship. There's power when we worship alone. But there's greater power when we worship together. You know, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And so he's, there's something extra when we're together that happens, like it did this morning when we're together worshiping God. And, and so I, I want to remind you of a verse I've taught on many times. If you're new here, this may be the first time you've heard it, but some of you have heard it several times before, and I just want to mention it and say a few things today out of Isaiah 65, 8, where the Lord said, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one says, do not destroy it, for a blessing is in it, in the cluster, the blessing. Psalm says how good and pleasant it is when the brothers dwell in unity. There is the place of blessing. That's where the dew falls. That's where the rain falls. That's where the blessing falls. There's a, a, there's a blessing in, in, in unity. So, I, so will I do for my servant's sakes. And, and this verse is not specifically talking about worship, but there's a principle here that's true, that new wine is found in a cluster. You can't make wine out of one grape. <laughs> Deb and I have gone to vineyards many times in Napa Valley, other places where they have vineyards and and it's just an amazing thing how they do it. And, and they don't do it with, you, when you go there, you see a massive vineyard with lots of vines and lots of grapes. You know, they don't say, here's our one grape that we're about to make hundreds of bottles of wine out of this. <laughs> Jesus could do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> just give me a little bit of water and we got it made. But in the Bible, new wine speaks of the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the joy of the Lord. The anointing of God, the manifest presence of God. New wine is found in the cluster. And so many people think, well, I just go to God on my own, and I get everything I need 
by myself. Well, guess what? You should go to God on your own. Yes, you should. But the new wine, the new anointing, the present move of God is found in the cluster. Your one little grape doesn't have it all. We need each other. We've all got to abide in the vine together. We need each other even in worship. The corporate anointing when we worship together is far greater than the individual anointing when we worship alone. Now, there's four main purposes for praise and worship as I see it. There's more, but these are the four main ones. I'm going to mention three and just say a little bit about them, and I'm going to teach on one that I'm really feeling impressed to teach about today. The first and foremost purpose of praise is to glorify God. That's the main thing. In Psalm 50, verse 23, God says, Whoso offers praise glorifies me. Glorify is giving God glory. Glory, the glory of God is the revelation and the the manifestation of all that he is. We can have a measure of that on our own, and we should all be growing that on our own. But there's a greater measure when we worship together because there's a dimension of God's presence that we get into that, that is greater. That's where God manifests his presence. What does it mean that God manifests his presence? You see, there's three aspects to the presence of God. There's the omnipresence. God is everywhere. You can't get away from God. God is everywhere. And then if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. There's the inner presence of God. But there is what we call the manifest presence of God. Manifest means to make aware of, to to make obvious. It's obvious that God is here. God showed up. God this, how does God manifest his presence? By what he says, by what he does, through his word, by his spirit, through signs and wonders, through miracles, through, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There is power in the presence of God. I've seen people saved, healed, set free, marriage restored in the time of corporate worship together when the manifest presence of God was there. Before anybody else said a word, just being in the presence of God. That's why 1 Corinthians 14, 26 tells us when you come together, he's saying, when you gather together to meet, some people want to say, well, Bible doesn't tell us how to do church. Well, here's a verse that that kind of tells you. It's New Testament. Everyone has a hymn, song, or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church couple ways you can look at that. You can look at it when they're, when they're done. It, it, it better be something that strengthens the church. But you can also look at it like, they must be done. So many people see this as optional. We believe in it. We just don't do it. That'd be like church is saying, we believe in giving. We believe in tithing. We just never take up an offering. I believe in... in in evangelism, I believe in evangelism, I just never share my faith with anybody. I believe, oh, I believe there's power in prayer, I just never pray. That's like, and that's the same way, like, oh, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but we just never operate in them. The Bible says all these must be done to make the church strong. And it says all of us, what I don't want you to get here is it's a corporate thing. It says we all, all of us together have a role in corporate worship. None of us, listen, none of us should be sitting with our arms crossed waiting for worship to be over. (laughs) 
None of us should be coming late intentionally because we just want to get the word and not the worship. I want to change that mindset today. I want to change that mindset today because there is something in worship that you don't get through preaching. There's something in preaching that you don't get in worship. That's why we're a worship and word church, a word and power church, spirit and truth church. You've got to have them both. And if you're coming in late, you're missing half of what God's doing in that service today. All of us should be fully engaged in worship. Listen, corporate worship is not just a group of people gathering together to have their own little individual quiet time. It just, it's just happening in a group. Corporate worship is all of us gathering together to worship God in unity, following the direction of the Holy Spirit as he leads us in our services. And as we behold him together, we glorify him together. God is glorified through praise and worship. And that verse I read to you from first, uh, out of 1 Corinthians 14, uh, right before that it, sa- it says, when all of this is happening in a church, even unbelievers will fall to their face and worship and say, surely God is in your midst. Evangelism can happen in worship. That's why the second purpose of praise is to evangelize unbelievers. A lot of people miss this. They don't get that. They don't understand the the aspect of this. But Psalm 40 verse 3 says, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. That could mean several things. It could mean that people that are already believers or just have more faith. Like today, maybe through this service today and the words on breaking change and breaking strongholds and needing a, a gift of faith, I, I'm praying that you put your trust in the Lord today, even if you already had faith in God. But it's also talking about people who never have had faith in God can, through a worship service, be evangelized. They should encounter God in our services. Listen, listen. All of us have a responsibility. If I could get anything to you today, worship is not all about you. It's not just about you coming in, doing what you want, and even having your emotional fix or whatever it might be. It's about us gathering together for the purpose of glorifying God, for the purpose of, of being in the presence of God together. For the, and, and it takes all of us together. Listen, we have never truly, uh, 100% ever, I don't know if any church does, experienced 100% of everybody fully entering in in a service. And you notice some weeks uh, things are stronger and some weeks things times it seems like weaker. And, and I tell you, I learned this a long time ago, that in a church usually there's about 25% of people who are going to always worship no matter what. You could have the worst singing, you could have the worst band, you could have me up here trying to lead it, you could have whatever, and they're going to go straight in. You have another 25% who will never worship. They're going to observe. You have 50% who come in and could be swayed By the worshipers or the non-worshipers. And so if a bunch of our worshipers are out that Sunday, the 25% always worshipers, and, and there's more non-worshipers, those in the middle will be swayed to just hold back. What I'm, 
wanting to do and believing God to do as he would increase that 25% of always worshiping to 30, to 40, to 50, to 60, to 75, to 100%. There's always going to be people coming in new who who don't know what's going on, who's just going to watch. But we cannot be swayed by non-worshippers. Hear me this morning. We've got to be swayed by the Spirit of God and led by the Spirit of God because we have a responsibility together to be a habitation for His presence. We have a responsibility to worship. We have a responsibility to move in the gifts of the Spirit. When God gives us a word, we better get up and give that word. We've got a responsibility. That is, our, that is what God wants us to do as a church. It's not just about knocking on doors. We knock on doors. We tell people about Jesus. But there is something that happens in a church service Someone once described the goal of corporate worship to make make it easy for people to find God and difficult to forget Him. I want that. I want that. I want that so bad that when people leave our, our church services, they can't get it out of their mind. What was it? I've had people do that. I've had people who were unbelievers or, or new to the things of the Spirit, and they would be like, I, I don't understand what it was. Every time I come to your church, I cry. Why am I crying? I'm like, well, I hope it's not my preaching, but I, I've been. I said, it's, it's the presence of God. It's the you, you, What am I feeling? You're feeling the presence of God. They don't understand. They don't have the words for it. I'm feeling something. I, I don't get it. I'm getting goosebumps. And then I, I start crying. What is this? I, well, the manifestation is not the presence of God, but you are feeling and sensing the presence of God. And, and the more we praise, the more that unbelievers will see God. The less we praise, the less they will see God. The more we praise, the more people will trust in God. The purpose of praise is to glorify God, to evangelize unbelievers. And the third purpose of praise is to terrorize the enemy. Man, I wasn't planning on preaching on these other points today. I hope I get to my main one. Sometimes that happens. But the the Bible teaches us that praise is a form of warfare. It happened here this morning. Psalm 149, 6 through 9. May the high praises of God be in their mouths, a double-edged sword in their hand, to bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron, to carry out the sentence written against them. This is the glory of all his saints. Now remember, our warfare is not with flesh and blood. We're not, we're not literally talking about kings here and leaders in the world. We're talking about demonic strongholds that take, pl- that take the high place in our lives or in nation, our nation or in the nations of the, of, of the world. And, and the way to bring down a high place is with high praise. High praise is praise that lifts God up. And and praise that lifts God up brings Satan down. I'm not talking about low praise or little praise. I'm talking about high praise. And there's many instances in the Bible where God's people praised. They were surrounded by enemies and they praised God. And God routed the enemy on their behalf. That's because praise glorifies God. It evangelizes unbelievers and it terrorizes the enemy. I am telling you, you, want, you, you don't know how to do warfare. I, you're in the midst of a situation that's tough. You know the enemies at work. Just start praising God in the middle of it and see what happens. 
See what happens. Just go ahead and try it. Lord, right in the middle of this, God, I praise you. Lord, I bless you. God, you are good even now, even in the midst of this. God, you are good. I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor. I worship you. God, break, burst out in a song. Begin to praise God and watch the enemy run in Jesus' name. He can't stand it. All right, I got a little bit of time to preach what I wanted to preach on today. And that's the fourth purpose of praise is to edify believers. Glorify God, evangelize unbelievers. What was the third one? Terrorize the enemy. <laughs> and edify believers. Edify means to build up. You think of our word edifice or a building as an edifice, it's a building. So praise builds us up. Praise builds our faith. And now listen, here's what I want you to get today. Discipleship happens in praise and worship. You might not have ever thought of this. That's why you don't want praise as much as you should, or maybe you don't want to enter in or don't have a heart for it. But we are discipled by worship to worship. Praise is not just taught. Praise and worship is not just taught. It's caught as you are in it, as you are in it, as you are in praise and worship, as you are in the presence of God, as you are in the moving of the Spirit. You want more of that, and you want to press into that. And so in corporate worship, we, we behold God together, and we're transformed into his likeness as we sing together. Listen to Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom. Now listen. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Psalms are like scripture songs. Songs from, a lot of the songs we sing are, are, are verses from the Bible. Hymns are is worship songs to God. Spiritual songs, songs, songs of the Spirit, where we're singing a new song, a song out of our spirit, just singing to God. Singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Did you ever thought about this? We're actually teaching one another in our songs. And this verse shows us we need the word and we need worship. You need them both. So intentionally get here on time for the worship. You might have missed a teaching moment or a discipling moment because discipleship happens in praise and worship. And singing is one of the main ways that we behold God and are discipled to become like him. By the way, do you know that God sings? I'll give you a verse, Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. The word of the Lord. So if you are becoming like God, you will become someone who rejoices with singing. Christianity has a greater emphasis on singing than any other religion in the world. And our songwriters should be, should be musical theologians. Their, their songs and their worship leading help us behold the Lord together. That's why lyrics are so important. That's why we want lyrics to be biblically accurate in their doctrine because they are discipling each other. Half of our theology comes through our sermons. The other half is through the words of the songs we sing. And listen, we remember the songs easier than we remember the the sermon. You might go out of here singing, break every chain, break every chain. Like, 
What did Pastor Joe preach on again? It was good, but I forgot what it was. But you're going to remember, break every chain. Those songs stick with you. That's why we're, we're so, we're so uh, we've got to make sure that, that, that they are biblically accurate and that they help us behold the Lord in all of his glory. That's what spirit-filled worship is all about. Pastor Deb opened the service reading out of Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You want to know the results of being spirit-filled? It's not just speaking in tongues. It's not just the gifts of the Spirit. It's speaking to one another. It's worship. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, and give thanks for what? <laughs> Give thanks for everything. I preached on that once. I wish I had time to preach on it today. To God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This verse is showing us some of the results of being filled with the Spirit. We, receive, we sing in our hearts. You got to have that. That's good. That's your own quiet time with God. But we also speak to one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Isn't it interesting to see that it says we speak in our songs? Aren't we singing our songs? Yes. But as we sing together, listen, we are saying something to those around us. We are saying something about God. We are saying something that he wants us to hear. We're speaking words of life, words of encouragement, words of blessing. We're speaking the word to each other and we're beholding the Lord together and we're building each other up in our faith. We're speaking encouragement to the discouraged. We're speaking healing to the sick. We're speaking freedom to those that the enemy has held captive. I could go on and on with the results of corporate praise, yet so many people think, I don't need to go to church to worship. I can worship alone. I can worship when I'm in the woods hunting or I'm on the golf course golfing. Yes, you can. But do you? Now listen, I'm not a golfer, but I've been a few times. I've never seen a person worshiping. I've seen several lose their salvation. (laughs) I've been hunting many times. I grew up in a family that went hunting and fishing. I've never seen a person hunting break out into a sacrifice of praise. It may happen. I'm sure it does. But my conclusion is that most people on the golf course are actually golfing. And most people in the woods that are hunting are actually hunting. Nothing wrong with those things. But don't substitute that for the power of worshiping God in his house with his people in his presence. And by the way, worship is not a warm-up act for the preaching. To me, they are both important, the worship and the word. You've got to have principles for your head, but worship for your heart. Worship, listen, is not a spectator sport. In worship, we're not the audience. God is. We have an audience of one. Now, now public worship, I know, is hard for some people. Maybe their their personality, they're shy or introverted or quiet, uh, and and maybe they're raised in a non-expressive home where love is not expressed. Maybe they don't know how to express their love for God. It was very hard for me at first. Very hard. Very hard. I mean, I'm not naturally, Deb knows I had shame issues growing up, and I never want, I never, with shame, you never want to even be noticed. Publicly, you don't want any attention drawn to you. So when I first started raising my hands, it was kind of like this. (laughs) You know, eventually I kind of got up to here, and 
and here and here now, I don't care, it's wherever, you know what I mean? But it was hard for me at first. It was not natural for me at first, but I did it because I knew it was right. L- listen, listen to me. Um, you don't determine the way God wants to be worshipped. The way God wants to be worshipped does not change because of your temperament or of your background or of your beliefs. God tells us how he wants to be worshipped. He tells us in his word, and it's for everybody. You don't get a pass. Well, that's just not me. I just don't feel it. I'm just not my personality. It's not about you. It's all about God and how he wants to be worshipped in spirit and truth. And, and I know some people are not comfortable expressing that in public. So, and I, so I want to say to this, say to you first, are you expressing it in private? If not, that's a good place to start. Are you raising your hands at home and nobody's around? Can you put on a fast praise song and jump a little bit and move around a little bit at home? Maybe that would help you do it here. You got to worship alone. Yes, you should, but don't miss out on all the blessings that are in the cluster as we worship together. God commands us to worship together. It's not an option. Psalm 66, 8. Let the whole world bless our Lord and loudly sing his praise. Does that include you? Does it? Hello? About 25% of y'all are answering. I need that other 50% to get in there. Does this include you? All right. Psalm 95.1, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock. This includes you. And I know some people say, well, pastor, you don't understand. I can't sing. Well, guess what? God has a contingency plan for those who can't sing. Psalm 66.1 says, make a joyful noise unto God. If you can't sing, just make a joyful noise. I know you can do that. You don't have to hit the right note. Just make a joyful noise. That's one reason we crank up the music in here. That way you can make a joyful noise without quenching the spirit for the rest of the people. I know some people complain the music is down, but if we turned it down and you heard some of the joyful noise going on around you, you'd probably say, turn that thing back up. Some people say, well, this extravagant kind of praise and worship is not for me. But I remind you, God says this is how he wants to be worshipped. He wants it in spirit and in truth. Truth is how he says in the word how he wants to be worshipped. He tells us who he wants to worship him in this way. Psalm 117.1. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you people of the earth. Praises for everyone everywhere. Psalm 47.1. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. God wants all people to clap and shout. All includes you. Psalm 106.48. Let all the people say amen. Praise the Lord. Would you please obey the Bible when I'm preaching and say amen? When I'm trying to get you to amen, I'm just trying to get you to obey the word of God. Psalm 150 tells us to praise with music and dancing. And then it tells us who should praise like this in verse 6. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. In other words, you praise God. Are you breathing? Some of y'all need to check for a pulse. I mean, some of y'all need to check, but the Bible says, if you're breathing, you need to be praising. 
And some people think, well, that's all Old Testament, Pastor Joe. Okay, I'll give you some New Testament stuff. <laughs> Romans 15, 11. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Sing praises to him, all you people. All people sing. 1 Timothy 4, 8. In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God. There's a New Testament verse saying, people everywhere, lift your hands. You can find this teaching all through the Bible. Are you getting this? <laughs> Listen. I know you're going to get it someday because I read about you in the Bible and you were praising, you were shouting, you were singing, you were radically worshiping, and you were not a slave. You were doing it. Don't wait for heaven. Don't wait for heaven. Don't wait for heaven to get in on this. God wants it to be done on earth as it is in heaven. If he wants singing in heaven, he wants singing here. If he wants shouting in heaven, he wants shouting here. If he wants loud praise in heaven, he wants loud praise here. If he wants people falling on their face in worship in heaven, he wants that here. That is a call of God on our life. Discipleship is not just an individual experience. It's a corporate experience. We're just stay on your feet. I'm almost done. Well, we're going to grow together and disciple each other. God's plan from the beginning was that we would be a kingdom of priests. Priests represent people to God and God to people. And Jesus is enthroned on the praises of his people. And as we behold him, he changes us. And it starts with us worshiping him discipling each other by beholding him together. Listen, I might come into a service feeling beat up by the enemy, but all of a sudden we started singing. There was power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And it reminds me that I have victory in Jesus' name. I might come into church not feeling free, but when we start singing, I am free, it reminds me of the freedom I have in Christ. I might come in not thinking things will ever change, but when we start singing, breakthrough is coming by faith. I'm going to see a miracle. It causes me to start believing God is moving on my behalf. I may come in feeling down and out, but when I start singing, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around and he set my feet on solid ground, it makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy. All the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Can you enter into, enter into that with me for just a moment right now? Everybody, on your feet, just begin to thank God, worship God. Think about the Lord. Remind yourself of the goodness of God. Come on, let it come out of your mouth. Sing it, say it, shout it. Worship him together in the name of Jesus. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are holy. Lord, you are awesome. God, you are our Lord. You are our Savior. God, there's none like you. We bless you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah.